We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning. Man, Brian's got this thing color-coded where I could even walk up there and get the right mic. <laughs> That's it. And Aggies. Oh, I was <laughs> Oh, I thought you said Aggies. <laughs> Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Job, chapter 1. Job, chapter 1. Or as some of you say, it's the job. Depending on how you view, view the book. Job, chapter 1. We're going to read one verse. Job chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 21. Verse 21 says, And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Man, if we live by that, if we just live by that premise, I came in here without anything, I'm going to leave here without anything. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Our lives we dear. You know, leaving this world isn't something that we don't think about or, or, or consider so much, do we? Leaving this world. We, we don't really, that's not, that's not a favorite subject, is it? Leaving this world. Uh, what I find people that don't really like talking about leaving this world is, is because they're, they're unsure about some things. They're just unsure about some things, and so they don't really want to, talk about leaving this world. But, it, it, you know, here's the thing. Leaving this world is a certainty. It's a certainty. Now, if Jesus comes, you're going to leave here one way. But if Jesus doesn't come for another thousand years, you're going to leave here another way. The whole thing to be certain of, is which we know, is that it's an absolute someday every one of us is going to leave this world. Now, a lot of times people like myself, I'm 64, or be 64 this year, I'm getting closer to leaving. But that's not necessarily true. One of you could leave today, and you're younger than I am. So leaving this world has nothing to do with age. Leaving this world has nothing to do with age. And we're, I'm going to actually talk about that in the next service. But understand this. It, it's, it's okay to talk about le- leaving this world. You know, <clears throat> it's not that I'm chomping at the bit to leave this world, but I'm chomping at the bit to leave this world. There are things that I don't want to leave there's family, there's all that, you know, it's not, not, not boats and cars, and it's, you know, it's family. But you know what, considering what I'm going to, and considering that I know that my family is living for God, then, you know, what, what's the bad thing about leaving this world? Well, nothing, when you put it down that way. So the inevitable is the inevitable. If, if you know something is for certain, though, it behooves you to not only address it, but prepare for it, right? Yeah, tax season's coming up. You know Uncle Sam's going to ask you for that money. It behooves you to, to, to address it and, and prepare for it. If you don't address the issue and prepare for it, they will address the issue with you. So in, in everything that you know, if you know what it doesn't, forget tax. I'm, that's probably a bad subject to bring up right now. If you, if you know something's inevitable, it behooves you to first address the inevitable and then prepare for it. So if, if, if I have one statement and one question today, it's this. Here's the first. This is a statement. When you leave this world, 
what you will leave behind, not what will you. That's going to be my question. The statement is, when you leave this world, this is what you will leave behind. We're going to talk about that first. When you leave this world, this is what you will leave behind. And then we're going to second it with a question, when you leave this world, what will you leave behind? Now, this sounds like a double question, but it's not. Job 21, 1 and 21 tells me that when I leave this world, there's nothing of this world I'm going to take with me. You can pile all the stuff you want in the ground with you. You're leaving with nothing. Naked you came in. You, well, they're going to dress me in a suit and put me in a casket. You sure about that? Because they dress you in the suit for the funeral for everybody to look at you. But how do you know they don't pull that suit off of you and bury you naked and use that suit for the next person? Uh, no, no, nobody likes that thought process, do they? Because you don't really, listen, even if they put you in a nice Armani and leave it on you, you're not leaving here with it. It's going to stay in the box. So Job tells us that. He said, what he's saying is, and we know the story of Job. I'm not going to go through the whole story. A man that lost everything. He lost everything. You're not going to leave with any shoes. You're not going to leave with any clothes, no car, no boat, no house, no furniture, no job, no possession. You know, all these possessions that you're working hard for, somebody else is going to get that. Somebody else is going to get that. The Scripture even teaches us that when we leave this world, that this body is going to deteriorate. We're not even going to leave this world with this body. It's going to deteriorate. It's going to turn to dust. It's going to dissolve. It's going to crumble in the, in the grave. Uh, and when Jesus returns, we get a new one. So you're not even leaving here with this body. Don't, don't expect to have this body in eternity. You won't. The Bible says we will have a new body. Thank God. Because I'm, I'm sure that I would scare a lot of people in heaven if I showed up with this body. And I don't want to scare anybody in heaven. So thank God that we don't have to put up with all the aches and the pains. Well, you know, he takes care of all that stuff. Sure he does. But we get a new body. Not only is he going to take care of the tears and the aches and the pains, he's going to take care of the body. We're going to have a new body. Flesh and bones, they're going to be left behind us. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit return unto God who gave it. So the Bible tells us that we were formed out of the dust of the ground. God formed us out of the dust. And, you know, you've heard the term ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But that's, that's, there's, that, there's a spiritual connotation, but that's not a scripture. You, hope, you know, I might be ashes because, you know, it might be cremated or whatever. But it's, we return to the dirt that we were made out of. That's, that's how God has set this thing up. And so... Uh, the interesting part about that, and I, and I think this is, this is another whole subject matter, but if you notice in the second part of that verse, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So everybody that dies returns to dirt. And everybody that dies, the Spirit that God gave them returns to God. So you understand, it's not the Spirit that sins, it shall surely die. It's the soul that sins, it shall surely die. When God breathed into uh, Adam, he, he, pneuma, the word pneuma, breathe, breathed into him the breath of life, it's the same word as spirit. So you're, the spirit that's in you is the breath of life. And when you die, the breath of life goes back to God. It's the soul that's eternal. And it's the soul that we're talking about. So in that same chapter, or in, that, in Ecclesiastes uh, 3 and 20, says, all go unto one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. Job 4 and 8, even as I have seen that they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness, they shall reap the same. 
when you leave here, not only are you going to leave everything, and even your own body, but you're going to leave behind, first of all, flesh and bone. The second thing you're going to leave behind is seed sown. You're sowing seeds in your life right now. So you're going to leave behind flesh and bone, then you're going to leave behind seed that's sown. We're all sowing seed, whether it's good or bad, we're all sowing seed. We like to talk about the good seed, don't we? Sowing the good seed. But there's bad seed. But here's the thing. You will leave it behind. And that's something to remember, that you are going to leave some seed behind that you have sown. And so somebody else is going to reap off of that seed, good or bad. So when you leave here, Jesus taught much about sowing the seed, the consequences, good or bad. And, and so the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia in, in, in Galatians 6, 7 through 8, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So you're going to leave behind flesh and bone, and you're going to leave behind some seed that you've sown. For he that soweth to this flesh reap corruption. For he that soweth to the Spirit shall reap of that Spirit reap everlasting life. The seed that you sow here today also reaches into eternity. The seed of prayer that you sow today reaches into its eternal. Your prayer is eternally going up. That's how in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius found out how to enter the kingdom. It's that he had been praying to the God of the Jews. Cornelius was a, uh, was a Gentile, but he, he, had, he had gone to the culture of the Jews, and he saw that they prayed to a God, and so he prayed to that same God, and he offered sac- he gave alms to the people. Uh, he was a good person, if you will. Because of that, those prayers went up. God said, your prayers have gone up for a memorial. In other words, they're eternal. They keep building. Your prayers, are even after you're gone, don't think that, oh, man, i got to pray, 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 pray. Please pray. But don't think that that's the end of it when you're gone. The seed of prayer that you sow is going to, what you've sown that to is going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to take root. It's going to continue to produce fruit. That's why prayer is so powerful. Conversations you have with God are very powerful because God is not a, he's not secluded to time. God is eternal. And so everything that you speak with God and into God is eternal. So if I sow any seeds of sin now, Here's the thing, catch this. If, if I sow any seeds of sin, does anybody here sow seeds of sin? Well, then I'm going to bring those to God today because they can be judged at the cross. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When I sow seeds of sin in my life, I can take them to the cross. I can take them to the Lord, and they're judged today. But I don't want them to follow me into the hereafter. You, you don't? Man, because sin is always judged. It's always judged. So Proverbs 22 and 1 says, when you leave here, you're going to leave with a name known. So you're going to leave with flesh and bone. You're, you're, you're going to leave here as, as well with seed sown, and you're also going to leave with a name known. I remember my dad used to tell us, the boys, and, you know, we, when y'all go out tonight, don't, don't embarrass our name. And we knew exactly what he meant. Don't do anything that would bring shame or cause of, you know, distraction or anything like that to our name. We didn't listen to it very good, but, you know, we understood later what he meant. So the Scripture tells us that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. It's better to have a good name than great riches. Now, when I first read that, that really makes sense because 
my good name doesn't give, put anything in my pocket. We understand that your name is more powerful than anything you can put in your pocket. You know, you, you've heard the song probably that's been sung right now. We've got rock star preachers and that thing. It also says, we look for our blessings in our pocket. You know, that's the majority of Americans that are in church today. When we ask God for a blessing, we're looking for that blessing to be in our pocket. I know y'all wouldn't agree with that, but we want God to put that blessing in our pocket. But understand something, a good name is greater than any blessing God will ever put in your pocket when it comes to riches. A loving favor is rather than silver and gold. Whether we realize it or not, when we leave this world, we're going to be leaving a name for ourselves. What actions we take today determine the name we leave. You know, I went back to here not long. A couple of times past, we had our class reunions. And there were those that, you know, they look at me like, wait a minute. That's not what happened. You know, and they mean it in a bad way sometimes. And what happened to the old, you know, that guy? What happened? A lot of them don't, but there's some that do. What, what happened? Because they're still involved in it. But what happens is that all the things that you do in your life, they, they leave a name. When, when you leave here, you, you leave a name. When you leave here, you, you're going to leave with time blown. So you're going to leave with, you're going to leave flesh and bone. You're going to leave seed sown. You're going to leave a name known. And then you're going to leave here, and you're going to leave some time that's been blown. What does that mean? Luke 16 and 25, Abraham said, Son, remember. Well, that's, that's devastating. That's devastating. That tells me there are going to be those that don't make it to, the, to heaven. That, that, that this, the words to them are going to be, Son, remember. You know what? All, you're going to remember all those things, all the time that you blew. How do we know? That thou in thy lifetime, in thy lifetime received good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things, he's now comforted and thou art tormented. The rich, and you're tormented. The rich man had a lifetime to help others. But he said, son, remember, in your lifetime you received the good, but you did nothing about it. You did nothing with it. Man, that talk about blown time. Opportunity to do something to help someone. I mean, this guy, Lazarus, all he wanted was some food. He didn't want shoes or clothes, or he wouldn't. He just sat at the guy's gate and he watched the dogs eat the scraps that came off of his table, and he begged and he begged. And this guy had all of this time. And we think, man, what a low life. What a, but you know what? It's simply time blown. The opportunity that he had to help someone that he didn't. The rich man blew a lifetime of opportunity. A lifetime of opportunity. We have opportunity in our lifetime. What is a lifetime of opportunity? It's the opportunity you have right now. It starts right now. The rest of your lifetime. The opportunity that you have to do good, to, to help others, to, to, to love people and love God, to do all of those things. And we in the same manner have occasion. Have, have, you, not, have you ever blown time? I would dare say that we probably blow time every day. What does that mean to blow time? That means to take time, your most valuable commodity in this life, and to simply do nothing with it. Do nothing with it. If I had some extra time, 
Maybe I just need to do a little extra praying or, or a little extra talking to God. Or maybe I need to take my family and go do something with the family. That's all part of God. Maybe I need to call somebody in the church. Maybe I need to call a friend and have, you know, but just and do nothing with it. It's blown time. It's blown time. Now, are we not all guilty of that? You know, that's, that is one of the, uh, the bad things about living in America is we talk about how much time we don't have to do things, but we blow more time than anybody in the world. We blow more time. We, we simply sacrifice time more than anybody. See, when we, when we leave here, you're going to leave flesh and bone, seed sown, name unknown, time blown. So that was the statement of what we're going to leave. So my question is, what, what will you leave behind? We call that a legacy. A legacy. So we know there's things we're going to leave behind, but what are you going to leave behind? See, there's things that you have in your life that God wants you to leave behind. Why is that? Because we're not our own. So, Psalm 39 and 4 through 5. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Psalm. Psalm 39. We're going to read verses 4 and 5. Lord, make me to know mine end. Make me to know mine end. And the measure of my days. Has God told you how long you're going to live? Let's keep reading. And the measure of my days and what it is that I may know how frail I am. What's he really saying here? God, help me to understand my time is my time, whether it's short or long. Help me to understand that my time is my time. i got to do something with it. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. See, our age, God doesn't, your, your life is not gauged or measured by age. You don't reach a certain age and then God takes you. Your, your life is measured by purpose. And that's why the writer here is saying, God, help me to understand my time, that it's purpose. It's not about age. It's about purpose. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. At your best, you're vain. So help me to understand this, God, that, that my age has nothing to do with my purpose. And my purpose has nothing to do with my age. So help me, Lord, to don't look at my age. Help me not to look at my age. But help me to look at my purpose. Because your purpose is not only to touch your generation, but it's to reach a legacy and leave a legacy that reaches in to the next generation. Every generation has a legacy. You know, my dad's generation and his dad's generation were called the greatest generation. They were called that in our society for a reason. When the call came to to support our country and to fight for our freedoms and all that stuff, everybody rose up. Everybody stood up. Everybody was, went, you know, they wanted to not only, you know, settle it for America, they wanted to settle it for the world. And so they called that, that generation the greatest generation. But they didn't just do that for their generation. They left a legacy for us. And look what's happened in the legacy. They left a legacy that now we should want to leave the same legacy, shouldn't we? So are we going to leave the same legacy for our children that our parents and grandparents left for us? See, we're going to leave a legacy. 
We're going to leave something behind for the next generation, good or bad. If you consider the truth of the Scripture that we just read, then you need to really reconsider the fact that you're leaving a legacy. If you knew you had 30 days to live and that was it, if God spoke to you, sent you a note or put a number in the sky and said this is the last days, 30 days, would you change the status of the legacy you're going to leave? You're, you're leaving a legacy right now whether you realize it or not. So if you knew in the next 30 days you are going to die, would you change the type of legacy that you're wanting to leave? Would you change some things in your life? Would you reach into some people's lives that you really haven't reached into? Would you change some things that you're doing or not doing? Because that's the legacy that you leave. Let's turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. We're talking about a legacy. Acts chapter 13. One verse, verse 36. We're talking about leaving a legacy. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. David left a legacy. When, when, when you talk to people that are Jewish, they're Hebrew, and you talk about their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and they always include David. David was their most absolute king. They were, they was, he was the one. He was the, and as Christians, we understand that, that out, of, out of the lineage of David came our Messiah, Jesus Christ. We understand those things. That's why a legacy, the legacy of David still has produced in our life a measure. We're saved because of the legacy of David. We're healed because of the legacy of David. You see, had David chosen not to do what God called him to do, God would have had gone to someone else, and David would not have performed his legacy. In other words, he did, his, did David do some crazy things? <laughs> David did some very, very absolute crazy things to the point of having somebody murdered. And you would think, man, that's not the guy whose legacy we want to follow. But you understand something. In all that he did, he came to God and he said, God, you judge me according to who you are, not according to what I want. Because I don't want anybody, legacy, to come later and say that you didn't judge me, that you gave me a pass. You take away my crown. You take away my kingdom. Just don't take your spirit. You judge me accordingly, God. And that legacy, that's the legacy he left, is to be judged accordingly. Just don't take away the spirit. And that legacy still endures today. Legacies are important. Well, I'm not going to be the king of Israel, or I'm not going to be. Your legacy is just as important as David's. Your legacy is just as important. I'm in the church because of someone else's legacy. Someone else raised their child to believe God and love God. And that person, after their parents were gone, came to a church and got back in church after they had been out for years and got back right with God. And because of the legacy that was left from her mom, my mother-in-law's mom would literally every Sunday go to the door and her 
dad sit there with a shotgun, I'm going to kill you if you go to church. And she would say, Earl, move out of the way. And she would go on and go to church. How many of us, if our spouse stood at the door with a shotgun and said, I'm going to kill you if you go to church, would, would you go? Gulp. But she left a legacy because what her daughter saw was that you no matter what, I'm going to live for God. No matter what trouble comes my way, and even in her, my mother-in-law's life, she slipped away from God. She came because she knew that was the end result, come back to God. That's the reason I'm in church today. Because she took her daughter when, they, when she needed God, and they prayed for her son when he needed God. And then because of that, that legacy that the mother left, Pastor Don's in church today because I was dating that daughter, the girl, the daughter of the one that's, whose mother had the shotgun. I was dating that girl at the time, and I came into church. So your legacy is very important. It doesn't mean I'm so important, but it's very important to me that she left a legacy for her children. It's very, you, you don't have any idea the impact you're going to have after you're gone. You have no idea what the impact is. It's a good thing that God doesn't tell us. Because if I knew I was going to impact a 1,000 people, Pastor Don would probably have a billboard up on 287 and Alvord saying, come meet the pastor that's impacted 1,000 people for Jesus. That's how we are. That's how we are. So God doesn't tell us who we're going to impact later. He just tells us to leave a legacy. David left, Even though David saw corruption, he died. He left, David served his purpose, not his time. Many of you all think you're serving, <laughs> your life is you're serving your time. You're not serving your time. You're serving your purpose. Serving your purpose. That's the whole thing with God. And David served his purpose in his generation. In all of his problems and perils, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. So you can have perils and troubles, and you can have, man, how many of us have things in our past we still haven't told anybody? We're not going to tell anybody. We've given them to God. How many of us have that? Say again. That's it. And then you know what? It's washed under the blood. So you're not going to know. David, ha- David was that sort of man. And yet God said he was after my heart. Your legacy is very important to this generation. You call yourself a man or a woman after God's own heart. Man, wouldn't that would be awesome? When Jesus said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into thy rest. And by the way. Thank you for being after my heart. Man, wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be awesome to stand before God? So what are you leaving behind for this next generation? There, there's four ways to leave a legacy. I, I'm almost done. There's four ways to leave a legacy. There's a good way to leave a legacy. And here's, you remember Bobby? Yeah, those were some good times, weren't they? That's a good legacy. You remember Bobby? But, but here's another way. There's a bad leg- legacy. You remember Bobby? Let's change the subject. There, that's, you know, in Pastor Don's life, there was a legacy I left. When they say, hey, you remember Don Biddick? Yeah, let's change the subject. That's not the legacy I want to leave. I, I want to leave the legacy. Hey, you remember Don Biddick? Yeah, those were some good times. There's the forgotten legacy. You can just leave a forgotten legacy. You can go on. Remember Bobby? Bobby who? That's probably worse than any of them, that you left no legacy for anybody to remember, good or bad. Now, we all leave a legacy. But a lot of times we leave an unforgettable legacy. 
We weren't engaged. We weren't involved. We weren't part of the generation. We didn't do what we were called to do. All of those things, they bring us to a forgotten legacy. And then there's a godly legacy. Did I ever tell you about Bobby? Yeah, I'm here today because of Bobby. That's the legacy you want to leave. Hey, did I ever tell you about, you know, it's one other thing. I've got a real good friend y'all know, know about him. You don't know him. Well, Nelson's do. Bo Harrison. Bo Harrison's like Don. He had some things in his life that were pretty rough, things that happened. But, you know, I don't remember those things. You know what I remember? That when Jan and I first got into church, he and his wife kind of took us in. We lived in the same area. Kind of took us in. And, you know, you don't realize it at the time, but they're just being Christians. They, they didn't try to hammer us with doctrine. They didn't try to tell us what we were doing right and wrong. They, didn't try to direct, they just loved us. And that's what I remember about my friend Bo. And he's my best friend other than my wife who is my best, best friend, my best male friend is Bo Harrison. Why? Because he just, his legacy that he's going to leave is that, you know what? He just loved people. He just loved people. You often wonder what credit you're going to get? You ever ever wonder what credit you're going to get for your life? Have you ever wondered, because I've been asked this, will I get the credit for the people you've won? Somebody asked me that. Well, I get the credit for the people you've won. Why? Because I won you. Think about this a second. Are we worried about the credit or are we considering the legacy? You know, it's a good thing this person was in Don's life and won them to God because otherwise I wouldn't be here today. It's not worrying about the credit. It's, it's understanding that you've left a legacy already. Many of you in this building have already started and left a legacy in people's lives where they look at your life and they say, hey, I tell you, and all that I know, that, that's the, if you've got a problem, go. My, my brother right under me, has, he's got a best friend. His name's Buddy Lowe. And Buddy was raised in, a, in an Assembly of God church. He's raised around the move of the Spirit. He's ra- and, and, but he's been away from God for a long time. So Buddy called me about two months ago, and this is what he said. He said, listen, my brother under me is Gerald. He said, Gerald told me to call you and talk to you about this problem that you would invariably, now my brother didn't use that word invariably because <laughs> you're going to give him some Scripture, or he's going to give you some Scripture. See, that's a legacy you leave. You don't even realize it. When I've been talking to my brothers, I just leave them with Bible. There's a legacy you already start to leave that it's going to, other people are going to engage in that legacy. So how do I leave this godly legacy? Well, weave into people's lives the best words. How do I leave a godly legacy? Weave into everybody's life the best words. Proverbs 4 and 24, put away from thee a forward mouth and a perverse lip put far from thee. The Hebrew word here for forward means to distort or make false. So put away in you the words that are false or they're distorted. The Hebrew word for perverse means to turn away from what is good or right. So it's, why are you saying this, Bishop? Pastor, not Bishop, not Bishop yet. Bishop's got to move on to heaven. So we're not wishing that on Bishop. He's, He's just on vacation. The words you speak 
into people's lives are extremely powerful. And the writer says, you know, leave good words, speak good words into people's lives. You know, my parents taught me like your parents taught you. If you don't have anything good to say, just don't say anything. But then there are others that say, if you don't have any good to say, well, just tell them something else. There are some people that live by that. Just tell them something else. But the thing to do is speak good. You know, there's things about me you don't like. I get it. I'm not stupid. I'm not aloof. But you're kind enough to me to speak goodness into me rather than saying, Pastor Don, I think you're the biggest idiot I've ever met. I know some of you think that. I've watched you when I preach. I've watched your reaction. But you're kind and you speak words into my life that, that build and, you know, that's appreciative. And that's what we should do. If you want to leave a godly legacy, you speak. Now, I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm not a Norman Vincent Peale fan. I don't, that's a whole different deal. But when you speak good words into people's lives, you're going to leave a good legacy. Speak to people. Speak the things that aren't distorted and wrong. You know what that means? Speak truth into their life. Speak truth. If you can't speak truth into a person's life, don't speak. Don't, don't, don't distort it because a half-truth is a whole lie. There's no such thing as a half-truth. It's either the truth or it's a lie. Oh, yeah, but half of it's the truth and half of it's no, then, and then all of it's a lie. Because the Scripture teaches us truth is absolute. Facts change. Truth never changes. Truth is axiomatic. If it was truth for Adam, it's truth for us today, thousands of years later. If it was a fact for Adam, Adam had no idea about things in the world so facts changed for Adam and Noah and Abraham and David. Facts changed through history because facts are based on what we know at the time. Truth is never based on what we know at the time. It's never based on what we know at the time. Truth is based on absolute. It's truth whether we know it at the time or not, and it will always be truth whether we know it or not. There's, there's a problem in the church where people, well, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'll get there. And that's great. That's the way we should look at it. But that has nothing to do with truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall not set you free. That's another misquoted scripture. It makes you free, the scripture says. And there's a difference between make and set. There's a big difference between make and set. Make is an active verb that you're involved in. Set is something some, someone does for you. The truth is active in you and makes you. Do we all know all absolute truth? Everybody do this. No, we don't all know absolute truth. God is, God is the absolute truth, and we, what we know about Him is the relationship that He wants to have with us. That's what this book is for. This is a very minute part about who God is. It's very minute. It's so minute you can't put it on a scale about who God is. The eternal God is so much more than what this book tells us. He didn't intend to tell us, you know, when Moses said, who do I say sent me? He didn't lay out this litany of things for Moses to tell Pharaoh and say, okay, you tell him that I'm the God that created the stars and behind the stars there's these other things that y'all don't know about. He didn't go into all that. And believe me, this thing is still expanding. When God said, let there be, when he says, let there be, man, until he says, stop, until he says, stop, it just keeps expanding. It keeps going. There's things we have no clue about God. So understand, this is, this is the relationship He wants to have with you. And so 
We just have to understand there's things we have to speak into people's lives that are truth. And that's what we know from this book. When your clothes were made, when someone made your clothes that you're wearing or a machine made your clothes, uh, it was woven. There's either a machine that weaves your clothes or there's a person that weaves your clothes. Now, if there's a person, you're wearing a lot more expensive clothing than if it's a machine. Right? Okay. But either way, the material is the words you weave into people's lives, into your children, into your friends, into your neighbors, your coworkers. You are weaving words into people's lives. And the scripture says they can be words of gold. Words of gold that no rusting, you know, words of gold that come out as rusty nails. When you you may have a word of gold for someone. But if you present it as a rusty nail, it's not going to do anything for them. Can I just give you a quick one? Everybody needs Jesus, don't they? And the best thing you can tell someone is, hey, I know somebody that's changed my life that can really change your life. Or you can tell that same person, you need Jesus or you're going to split hell wide open. Now, there's words of gold. And you know what? You need Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus, guess what? You're going to split wide open. But that's not the nail you want to use. You want to use the Word of gold. There's a Jesus that changed my life. He can change yours. Does that make sense? That's... So we weave the best words. Second, I'm going to finish this before time. You know, do the best deeds. Ephesians 2 and 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto... Anybody? Good works. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We're not saved by works. By grace are you saved through faith. Not, you're not saved by works. But here's the thing about works. Works is the weaving of Christ Jesus into your life and others. Your works show, how many of you would have shown up in here in a ratty old t-shirt that had holes all in it today? Now, if you did, that's, that's fine. If that's what you have, that's what you have. That's fine. But I, I'm looking at all of you and you're dressed very nicely. I wouldn't suspect that any of you would just show up in a ratty old t-shirt that had holes in it. Why is, it, why is that? You're wearing, you're wearing more acceptable clothes, right? It's acceptable in society. Not that a ratty old shirt with holes in it is not acceptable but more acceptable. Understand this about works. Because we are His workmanship, God has ordained into our lives that we're to do good deeds. He's ordained it. There's not a lot you find ordained in Scripture, but good works is one thing that you find ordained in Scripture, that when you become a Christian, God ordains it. What does that mean? That means He has impressed and put into your life the ability and the need and the the ability the right way to do good deeds. Just as Jesus went about doing good, Jesus went about doing good, healing, doing all those things. We're called to do the same. Doing good doesn't save you, but doing good is a call on your life. Don't think that not doing good deeds is something you get away with as a Christian. It's a call on your life. It's ordained by God in your life to do good things, do good deeds, just like Jesus did. After all, Jesus completed the salvation experience for us. But Jesus' work has not been completed. 
to seek and to save that which is lost. It won't be completed till he comes again. And so what he's done is he's involved us in the seeking so that he can do the saving. There are works in our lives that we do simply because God ordained it that way. Paul finished what he needed to finish. Paul finished. You would think he would say, well, one more thing I need to do. But Paul said, I, Paul said, I finished. I finished. I, I didn't leave anything undone. When it comes to the work of the Lord, I didn't leave anything. The change that God brings into your life should result in good works of righteousness. You ever met that Christian you like, you're trying to decide from Sunday to Sunday whether they love Jesus or not? They're a Christian or not? You see them on Sunday and they're praise the Lord. And you see them on Monday and they're like four-letter words all over the place. Not that we don't have issues and problems. But if you have the same, if you haven't been changed, you need to go back to the changer. Because he does change you. He doesn't change who you are. He changes what you are. He leaves you who you are. But the what inside of you. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. He bathed my heart in love, and He wrote my name above. Just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. You have a little talk with Jesus, He's going to change you. You have an experience with Jesus, He's going to change you. If you're not changed, you need to reconsider your experience. You need to reconsider your experience. I think I told this story before. I, you know, I worked with a roofer. I had to look at my who was talking Jesus to me the whole time we were on the roof. And when the AC guy got up there to tell him things he needed to do to fix the roof, I've never, you know, it embarrassed me, the words he said. I didn't say those words back then. He said some words I never said. I wasn't about to say that. But he said them all over. And then when the guy left, he was back to talking Jesus. And that was a quick change, and a quick change back. And when do you quick change? And when do you metamorphose? And when... You know, He changes us. He, there's a desire that He puts in us. When he, when he gives us the desires of our heart, that doesn't mean I desire a yacht and He gives it to me. What it means is that the desires that you have change when you meet Him. And there's new desire. He gives you the desires. Your desires are different now. Don't think you're good on your own. There's none good but God. And so he changes that desire about good in you, and he places good in you so that you can release good out. And that's, that's how about leaving a godly legacy, what we do. So we live the best, the third one, and I'm about done. I've got three minutes. We live the best lives. The, the biggest witness you will ever be is not what you say. People want to know if you live what you believe more than want to know that you, what you say you believe. If you live it, they know saying it is cool. If you say it and don't live it, they call that, well, we call them actors today in Hollywood. Jesus called them hypocrites. It's the same word. The word hypocrite means actor. Isn't that great? <laughs> I can call Tom Cruise a hypocrite all day long, and I'm not wrong. He's an actor. Now, by the spirit that I call him a hypocrite is a different thing. So when Paul sat in this dungy prison just waiting to be executed, would you call that the best time of Paul's life? Or do you think he would call it the best time of his life? By all outward appearances, no. But Paul said he fought the good fight. He finished his course. Understand something here. 
He kept the faith. That's what living the best life means. It's not about your circumstance. Some of you wondered why in the last two and three years, five years, the circumstances you're in. Some of circumstances we're in because we brought those on ourselves. Some circumstances you're in because God's bringing you through circumstance. Joseph went through what he went through so that he could save his family. Not to be number two in the kingdom. Not to be exalted only below Pharaoh. Not to get all of this. He simply went through what he did so that he could save his family. They would be given a land called Goshen. The whole reason he went through all. Sometimes we go through circumstances and we have to understand God's just taking us through a circumstance, not even for us, for the saving of someone else, for the saving of our family. That's why Paul, do you think Paul was just living it up big when they were stoning him or beating him with rods or chasing him to cut his head off? He was, Paul said, I'm a man just like you, of like passions just like you. If you were afraid, I was afraid. Paul was afraid at times. Why do we know that? Because he was like passions. Paul had different issues in his life, just like you and I. But here was the good life he's talking about. It's not about the circumstance. It's all about fighting a good fight. No matter what the circumstance is, you know what a good fight is? <laughs> huh? When you win? I watched a match years ago, and it was billed as the greatest match in boxing history. It was the worst fight I ever saw. Both guys were deathly afraid of each other, and they would swing and move, swing and move, and never, the whole fight, and even the announcers were saying, folks, if y'all want to leave this, go ahead. It was that bad. What, what does that mean? It means that they were called and paid to do something that they didn't do. They were called to present their best. They didn't give it. That's what a good fight is. Give it your best. Just giving it your best. Paul won some and Paul lost some, but he fought a good. When it was all said and done, his life's fight was good. He, he won some and he lost some. But in the end, it was a good fight. He finished his course. He didn't get a mile away from the end where the flag was for the winner and stop and go, wow, well, that was a great race. No. He might have finished second. He might have finished fifth. He might have finished 100th, but he finished the course. And that's what a good life is. It's not the place you're in. It's that you finish. We gauge ourselves so much in Christianity about the place we're in when it's just the finish. Just finish. That's what a good life is. And keep the faith. Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him three times. It was prophesied in the old. Jesus spoke it back. He knew it. He didn't say, man, Peter, I'm praying that you don't do this. He didn't say that. He said, I'm praying that when this is all said and done, I'm praying that you faith doesn't fail. Keep the faith. And Paul said that a good life is just keeping the faith. It's not that you're not going to go through obstacles. It's not that you're not going to have temptations. It's not that you're not going to have trials. Just keep faith. That's what it means. So it's about leaving a legacy for the future generations to live by. And I'll end with this. What is your legacy? What is your legacy? What legacy are you building today? What legacy is Pastor Don building? What legacy am I leaving? Well, I've been in the church for 40 years. So there's a legacy of consistency. No, because in the middle of that 40 years, I walked off from God. In the middle of the 40 years, Pastor Don walked off from God. So that's not good for my legacy, is it? 
But let's, let's, let's talk about the last part. Let's talk about the part where God said, hey, c- come back. Come back. That began a new legacy. That began a legacy of, you know what? No matter what happens in my life, I know i got to come back to God. You know, in your life, if you just leave that legacy for your kids, it'll, it'll do something great for them. That no matter what happens in my life, you know, train up a child in the way they should go. When they grow old, they shall not depart. doesn't mean that if you train a child in Christianity, he won't leave Christianity. That's not what that means at all. Because if that's the fact, that's a lie. That's a lie. You and I both know kids that were trained up in Christianity that left God altogether. So, so we know that's not what that scripture means. It means that you find what that child is good at. And that takes, that takes some real concentration on your part as a parent. You find out what makes that child click, and then you train them up in that way. Not every child's going to be a doctor or a lawyer or a pipe fitter or a broom sweeper or a ditch digger. But you find out what they do, and you train them up. And when they grow old, they won't depart from that. That's who they are. You've trained them up in God's given talent. You see, we don't want to take enough time to find the talent of our children and train them up in it. Because I would rather my child not be a ditch digger. I would rather them be a doctor. Amen? What if God has called them to be a ditch digger? You're totally going against God's will. That's why you've got to find out what your kids are good at, and you've got to lead them in that direction. And the legacy you leave that there will forever be with them. I've seen frustrated people in jobs frustrated simply because it wasn't what they were supposed to be doing. It's what mama wanted them to do. It's what daddy wanted them to do. It's what grandma wanted them to do. Totally frustrated. And when they found out that living in a rainforest and helping people who just needed food was greater than being a lawyer, then that doesn't sound right. How much money can they make in a rainforest? Because it's all about purpose. It's all about purpose. What legacy are you leaving? I've overdone my... Remember this. You're going to leave flesh and bone. I do that every time, don't I, Scott? Scott's laughing at me. What, what, do you, what are you actually leaving when you leave here? Flesh and bone. Seeds you've sown. Time you've blown. The bigger question is, what legacy are you leaving for the next generation? It's very big and it's very important. God bless you. Thank you for giving me five minutes over. Let's take a little time before worship. I realize I had the mic and I was had you captivated. I know you could have just got it walked out. So thank you. God bless you. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.